morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short, so glad to have you along today. So we look into the Word of God. Sometimes the Word of God challenges us. It ought to. We say often we're not perfect, and yet we expect to go to the Word of God and only find things that comfort us and make us feel good. Sometimes we don't like it when the Word of God makes us uncomfortable, but it's the uncomfortable times that in which God is challenging us to grow, and God is pushing us forward, and God is, is uh, admonishing us. Well, today may just be one of those times for some of us, so let's be ready as we get into the Word of God and talk about it. We've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and particularly we've been talking about how much of it is directed towards the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were people who kept the law, and they and Jesus said of them, much of the Sermon on the Mount really was directed at the problems of the Pharisees. And verse 20, five, chapter 5, verse 20, he says, For I say to you, that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you not enter the kingdom of heaven. This must have sounded so unbelievable to, to the disciples of Christ. I mean, they thought the Pharisees were the epitome of true religion. They thought the Pharisees was what were the, the people that many of them couldn't be like. These were like the, you know, the, the real spiritual people, the real religious people. These were the people who were pleasing God. And Jesus pointed out, no, they're not. They're not the people pleasing God. The kingdom he was bringing was something new and different. And he's pointed out, as we've been looking, he's pointed out they had problems with hypocrisy. They were just trying to put on a show in front of people to make it seem like they were to, to they had it all together. They were self-righteous. People are not made righteous by keeping the law. They were self-righteous. They were proud of their, of, their, of their spirituality, proud of their law-keeping, and they tended to look down on those who weren't. They tended to look down on those who, uh, without much mercy at all, without any mercy, upon those who were not as good as them. Indeed, all throughout the Gospels, we just see Jesus having conflict with the Pharisees. It was their spiritual pride, their self-righteousness, their hypocrisy, their disdain of others that he that was against everything that he he was declaring and the law of god ought to produce within us what love for god and love for others that's the great commandment and if if keeping of the law causes you not to have a greater love for god and not to have a greater love for others somehow you're missing something and so jesus is telling him your your righteousness has got to be greater than theirs they thought these were the righteous people. Well, no, they weren't. They weren't the righteous people. They had a fake spirituality, shall we say. Now, we've been looking at some of the problems they had, and in particular, Jesus was later on in the book of Luke, and we're going to see next week how often Jesus talked about money. But in the book of Luke, he's talking about how money can be a tool for us how money can cause us to, we can use our money for what is good, that rather than money becoming our idol, our source of security, our source of hope, our source of happiness, that money is meant to be a tool to be used for good purposes. This is what Luke chapter 16, the parable of the unrighteous servant, what he's talking about. 
And he says, make friends for yourself by means of the mammon of unrighteousness. Make friends for yourself with your money so that they'll welcome you into eternal dwellings. Make eternal friends. In other words, bring them into the kingdom of God. Lead them to Christ. Share the gospel with them. Use your money to see people saved. And he, he completes this, this, this teaching in Luke 16 with this statement. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Wealth makes a great servant, but a terrible master. Let me say that again. Wealth makes a great servant, but a terrible master. Some people think that by this, that it's wrong to have any money, and they they they're against the prosperity gospel, and instead they preach the poverty gospel, that somehow you're more spiritual if you got nothing. No, Jesus is not speaking here against having money. He's speaking against money being your master. You live for your money. You, you're all about money, and, you, and, and, and you're living because you can't do both. He says real clearly, you can't serve two masters. If money is your servant, if God is your master and money is a servant, that's one thing. But if money becomes your master, then you're not going to then God's not going to be. He won't share his glory with another. He won't share the the throne of your heart with another. And if money and wealth is on the throne of your heart and the driving force what you'll do with your life, then he's not. He's pretty straightforward on this. How did the Pharisees respond to this? Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money, were listening to all these things, and were scoffing at him. Can you imagine scoffing at Jesus? Again, I can imagine people scoffing at me. As a matter of fact, I don't understand why they would. But Jesus, the Son of God, the one who spoke with grace and truth, the one who's filled with wisdom, the one of all who loved people, the one who was going to give his life to die for them and sacrifice for them, the one who cared about people and was trying to lead them into true life, they were scoffing at him. His, Jesus' response, he said to them, you're those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. Luke 16, 14 through 15. Now, it's a pretty heavy verse, is it not? They were justifying themselves in the sight of men. Why would they do that? Well, obviously the Pharisees were, keeper, were, were followers of the law, and in the law, in the Old Testament, God promises wealth is a blessing to those who follow him and keep his laws. If, you are, if you're faithful to God, if the people are faithful to God, if the nation is faithful to God, that God would bless them with wealth, amongst other things. God would cause their herds, to, their, their cattle and their sheep and so forth to be be fruitful and to multiply and their land to produce crops and so forth. God would honor them and one of the blessings would be wealth. I believe that's still true today. But there's two ways you can earn there's two ways you can become wealthy. You can become wealthy and by corruption and you can become wealthy by integrity. And a lot of it depends on the society in general. If your society is corrupt, it's pretty hard for you to become wealthy if, if everybody else is corrupt. If your society honors integrity, hard work, honesty, 
It upholds laws of fairness and 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 law and order, and justice, and you become well, and you work hard and smart. You can become wealthy there. One is through integrity, and the other is through corruption. Now Israel had become quite corrupt. When we were in Israel recently, we were looking at the Essenes, who were the ones who who wrote the copied the Dead Sea Scrolls and lived out in a place called Qumran, out in the wilderness. They had left Israel, they'd left the city because it is so corrupt. Can you believe it? About 150 years before Jesus, the high priesthood was bought. It was purchased by a bribe. That's how someone became the high priest. And you read throughout Jesus' confrontation with with Caiaphas and with others in the the Sanhedrin and so on, and you realize these people have become extremely corrupt, getting along with the Romans— they had become corrupt, and they were they had become wealthy through corruption. They become wealthy through through oppressing the poor. The people would become wealthy through through temple. Uh, uh, you know, as people would come to present their sacrifices, they'd rip them off. The money changers. This is why Jesus up turned up overturned the tables and drove them out of the temple. Their wealth had become had been gained illicitly. And so they were justifying this. They were justifying it by saying, well, God blesses me. And Jesus says, no, no, no. What you've done is detestable in the sight of God. So Jesus is challenging them and he challenges us. I don't think Jesus says it's wrong to make money. I don't think he says it's wrong to have money. He's teaching us to use our money as a tool. And to be faithful with it, I think that's fine. And I, and sometimes we can overreact. You know, we've I've recently, you know, seen the movie Jesus Revolution. I've seen it three times. I love it so much. If you haven't seen it, that's oh, a good movie. You'll enjoy it. Go see it before it's out of the theaters. But in it, all the, this is a time when I came to Christ, and all of us were getting saved out of the hippie movement. Now, I was never really, I was too young at that point to really be a bona fide hippie, but I was embracing much of what the hippies were teaching and saying. And they saw the emptiness of, of the materialistic world. They were searching for something greater. They're searching for love and justice and goodness and peace and all that. And many of us t- found that in the gospel message. And so when we came to Christ, our, our culture was uh, kind of anti-establishment, anti-money, and indeed, I know when I came to Christ, we just, we, we, you know, we just gave away all our money. That's just basically what we'd do all the time. If we would earn money, we'd just give it, we'd share it, we'd pour it in the gospel, whatever. In time, you know, people started having families. That didn't work real well. And in time, it, it, um, uh, there started to be needs. I know in our life, you know, we started, you know, a car broke down and, a, and uh, kids came along and, and expenses were greater. And so there were Christian teachers that came came along, Dave Ramsey now, Larry Burkett in those days, different uh, people, Crown Ministries, that would teach us how to be, from Proverbs, how to be faithful with our money, how to be prudent, how to be wise, how to budget, how how to give to God's work, but also prepare for our future, all of which were great teachings and very helpful. But people have a tendency to pendulum swing. Have you noticed that about yourself? I've <laughs> the older I get, the more I see people tend to pendulum swing. From over here saying money's not important at all to saying, you know, money's money's a sign of how Christian you are. And it's good to and to to generate wealth as the sign of the blessing of God. 
All I want to say is be careful. Now, if you're generating it with integrity, great. If you're using it as a tool for the purposes of God, great. But if it's somehow weaseled its way into your heart that you've begun to love money and begin to think about it more than God, and your mind is set on, on your investments rather than on the kingdom, and, and, uh, and you'll even begin to sacrifice your integrity in order to keep it with dishonesty or something like this. Be careful, my friend. You cannot serve God and wealth. God can bless you. Proverbs tells us the blessing of the Lord makes rich. God can bless you. He often does. Be careful that when he does, it doesn't get hold of your heart and begin begin to make itself your master. It's easy to do, and we don't want that. Father in heaven, we bless you today, and we thank you for the world in which we live. We confess to you right up front, Lord, sometimes this area of money is difficult for us. We don't want to love it, but somehow when we begin to have it, it's so easy to start loving it so easy to think about. It's so tangible, so concrete. And Lord, we, we, we think of how people, it's, the devil wants to tell us money is the answer to everything. And we, we know we have to have it to live. We know we have to have it for our, pay for our shelter and food. I pray, Father, that you would help each of us to realize we cannot serve two masters. And I ask, Lord, in our own heart, you'd help us to examine ourselves, just like we've been doing with all these issues of the Pharisees and examine our own hearts, and to make sure that we're people who love you above all else, and we see money as our servant, not our master, because you're our master, and we don't want to kick you off the throne by love of money. Lord, in this whole series, protect us from being Pharisees. Protect us from the, the, the sins that are so easy to fall into once we are devoted to you and devoted to following your word. Help us, Father, to keep this simple, pure devotion to Jesus Christ in all things. We pray this and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, folks, thanks so, long, so much for being along with me today. This is a tougher message, I know. We live in a very materialistic world. Sometimes the, the water in which we swim, like a fish, the water in which we swim can blind us to more important spiritual truths. And so we, as our country, as our culture becomes more and more corrupt, and money's made more and more through corruption and taking advantage of others, don't let that be you. Use your money as a tool. Let it be your servant, not your master. Hey, if you're along here with us today for the first time, welcome. I hope you'll join our community because we come here every morning at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time live. Or you can watch these videos anytime throughout the day. Or you can even listen to the podcast on the Apple, Spotify, or Google platforms. I hope you will. We believe in getting to the Word of God every single day. It'll bless you and strengthen you. And to those of you who do come here every day and join me, I love you. So glad to have you along. I hope you're growing. I know you are. God's seed produces fruit as we had sown into our heart. God bless you. I love you. We'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Bye-bye.